It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Canada, the NBA title is yours. We're going to the first time of the Hail Mary 3 by Mopey. Get that cabbage out of here. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 855 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, December the 29th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors as well as on all of your favorite podcast providers. Please leave ratings, leave reviews, subscribe, tell a friend. It's very much appreciated. It helps us out. It makes us more popular, strokes my ego. And uh, I thank you very much in advance for taking the very small amount of time it does to to do one of those things or all of those things frankly it's uh you're the best if you do that uh all right on today's show we are diving all into the raptors pick and roll offense through two games it has been uh you know a rough start for the raptors at 0 and 2 as we talked about on yesterday's podcast it feels more like a defense issue than an offense issue and as we are going to find out today There's some signs of light and hope and optimism when it comes to the Raptors half-court offense, in particular as it relates to their pick-and-roll attack. And joining us to talk all about his wonderful piece on this very topic, full of those little rays of optimism and sunshine, is our pal Louis Zatzman from Raptors Republic, who is coming on to do the thing where we have someone on to talk about a really good thing they wrote. Louis, how are you, man? Hey, dude, always good. Always a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much. I figured it would be fun to talk to you because you, like me, are an everlasting optimist. So, uh, yeah, make a pretty good pair about finding the, you know, the sunshine in the 0-2 start. Yeah, I'm really uh, at the risk of like pigeonholing myself here soon. If like they keep losing games and I'm just like, it's fine, it's fine. I will become the dog inside the, the burning house kind of guy. And that's fine. I'm okay to go down that way because there's just no need to be so angry about a basketball team. I'm sorry. It's it's, it's going to be fine, everybody. And the pick-and-roll attack does maybe offer some signs that there could be light around the corner for the Toronto Raptors, who play the Philadelphia 76ers tonight, and will get a good chance to test their offense against the team with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. So um, let's we're going to dive into all angles of your piece. By the way, if you have not yet read Lewis's piece, where he went and watched all 81 pick-and-rolls the Raptors have run so far this season, really diving in like the nerd that we know and love Lewis to be. Uh, <laughs> if you uh, go read that piece right now, pause the podcast, to go read it it takes you know five ten minutes 15 minutes if you really want to dig in i suppose and uh, then come back to the podcast so go read it the link is in the description 
If you don't want to read it, you're you're lost. Uh, but we'll talk about it here on the podcast too. So, Lewis, let's uh, dive into a few angles of this. I, I want to get into some of your favorite Raptors pick and roll combinations to watch. Some of the signs in terms of the bigs with Aaron Baines and Chris Boucher. What are things looking like with Pascal Siakam and Fred VanVleet? In addition to Kyle Lowry, sort of the three main figureheads of the Raptors pick and roll attack. We'll hit all of that stuff on today's show. But first. I'll kind of start out the way I typically do a regular like game recap podcast and ask for your biggest takeaway. You watched all 81 pick and rolls the Raptors have run through two games. What is your overall general impression of the Raptors pick and roll attack through those two games? Yeah, so, uh, you know, f- first of all, everything is variable to change. Just two games, not enough to get, you know, a strong takeaway. But given that caveat, I would say probably my overall impression is just it's been good, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with tons and tons of depth to the answer. But basically, you know, things have gone well. Um, lots and lots of different guys have been successful in both roles, both as screener and handler. Lots and lots of guys have shown, you know, small bursts of skill that weren't as evident last year. So, you know, improvement, um, success, and uh, if I were to point to one downside, it would be zero free throws created out of 81 pick and rolls, which is insane mm-hmm. uh, and is important. Kyle's taken two free throws in two games. What is that? Uh, so something that if the Raptors are going to start winning games, uh, need to get some free throws, that would be the reason why in the pick and roll that they haven't had any. So um, those are the general things. Let's talk some detail. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, the when it comes to the free throw thing, I mean, that I think speaks to the small sample weirdness of two games. Um, and, you know, you're obviously going to be working with a lot of noise in a two game 81 possession sample size. But it still, I think, speaks to an issue that maybe is present with this team. You know, that that, that small sample size weirdness won't kind of iron out over time because there's not a lot of dudes who are willing attackers. There's not a lot of guys who are excellent at picking up calls. It's something that I think the team will have to work on. But that is something for another day, I suppose. Let's dive into the nitty gritty here. I especially want to start off talking about the bigs because we see of course there's a been an entire changing over of the guard in terms of the Raptors front court rotation uh Marcus Salser Jabaka out Aaron Baines Chris Boucher in and I think the general sort of assumption was that the Raptors offense would be hurt by losing Abaka and Gasol Gasol obviously offers a ton in terms of playmaking and passing and late clock bailing out and setting something up with 12 seconds on the clock when the first action doesn't work uh whereas Abaka was a play finisher it's something that the Raptors desperately needed uh, during his time as you know their their sort of chief scorer off the bench and not having his security blanket 18 footers and his 40 percent three-point shooting from above the break mostly that was going to hurt we haven't seen a huge drop off in terms of the Raptors attack this season in fact slight improvements in a lot of areas and Chris Boucher and Aaron Baines have obviously been central to a lot of this they have been the most common screeners for the team as you might expect uh, what has been your impression of Baines and Boucher so far have you liked certain elements that maybe you didn't expect they were going to bring in the pick and roll 
and in particular with Baines, where things haven't been terribly efficient with him as the roller. I think uh, the the number you cited was 0. 0.62 points per possession with Baines as the roller. Um, that's not awesome, obviously. It's quite high with Boucher. I think 1.16 or one, there's lots of numbers floating around in my brain from reading this piece. But still, the 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 point is it's very good. Um, what it, you know, just sort of general impressions on those two guys and how they have worked as the sort of anchors of the pick and roll attack compared to Gasol and Ibaka. Yeah, really good question. Uh, and probably the most important part of the piece because, you know, for the handlers, same as last year, right? So we already know most of it. Um, so I got the idea to do this when I was writing a piece for Sportsnet about lineups, different lineups that the Raptors could run. And looking at the new bigs, I was thinking, you know, Raptors centers last year, uh, despite their different tendencies, had very similar spatial tendencies uh, in that they both like to short roll Ibaka to shoot those middies that you you mentioned, and Gasol to pass, you know, to cutters, to shooters. Uh, neither of them really liked to deep roll. Ibaka was pretty good at it, but just did it very rarely. Mm-hmm. And that's one of Toronto's best skills is that Lowry pass to a hard roller. You know, they, they haven't really had a lob threat for a while. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I thought, you know, Boucher and Baines, both are better at hard rolling. In fact, both had... Um, better statistics for 1920 you know the season were both statistically better as role men finishers and so i wanted to look at how that would change and you mentioned the numbers uh and the difference i think is that boucher is rolling to score himself mm-hmm. so 19 pick and rolls that uh, that ended in a possession or that changed possession with boucher as the roller in those 19 he scored 12 points just himself that's really high Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it has been he's had three short roll buckets, um, one little push shot, two nice little uh, floaters or, or two nice little jumpers. Um, he's hit a couple threes and he's had some hard roll layups. Kyle's really good at, you know, bounce passes out to space so his roller can can gain ahead of steam. Um, in those 19, as you said, 1.16 points per possession for the team. Uh, that's 22 points in those 19. Really strong. Whereas Baines, on the other hand, less roller uh, to score for himself, more for the team. Uh, you know, he sets seals in the lanes, the famed mm-hmm. Gortat screen. He just creates more space for guys to have lanes. Um, you know, it's harder for guys to go over screens. Uh, you know, he's, he's just uh, doing it for other reasons, basically. And so part of the reason why the team has scored so poorly, just 13 points in those 21 possessions he's run, is because guys have missed shots. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. guys have had very open pull-ups over his screens. They've missed the threes. Um, Siakam had a really open layup off a Gortat screen that Baines did. Um, one one roll he did sucked in a ton of space, got a Matt Thomas open three. Uh, missed that as well. So, you know, that contributes because it's such a small sample size, but part of the reason why it's so poor. But when you actually watch the film, really encouraging. And I actually think Toronto's gotten its best looks when Baines is screening. Um, so small, small numbers, early days, but certainly very encouraging when you watch what actually happened. Yeah. And I think, you know, from what you've seen, if you're encouraged by the fact that, you know, they've looked, they've gotten the best looks with Baines out there and yet have still not scored terribly efficiently, uh, with Baines, particularly finishing plays, you know, that's going to get better, you would assume. And I think we saw it in the second game of the season after in the opener, it seemed like Kyle and Baines in particular were really out of sorts. There wasn't a lot of chemistry, just kind of passes kind of hitting Baines in the hands when Baines didn't seem to be expecting them. Like eventually, 
they're going to figure that out because Kyle Lowry figures it out with every big man he's ever played with. And so exactly. you have all the good elements that Baines is sort of providing without scoring. And I think the scoring will also come because, you know, it, it, it's tough to say like they're better off without Marcus Gasol because I don't think that's necessarily true. But in terms of the pick and roll attack, you know, Gasol in a lot of ways was kind of a liability there because he was not a finisher around the basket because he was an unwilling shooter when he would pop. You weren't really getting the full Gasol experience because a couple things that he didn't do so well were kind of on display in those play types and where he really where he sort of really misses value is in those late possession you know situations where the first couple things have been have been erased and you need him to create something from the elbow you know that I think is where he's more sorely missed and so I'm not surprised that things look a little bit better with somebody else who's just a little bit more sort of geared to diving and finishing like Baines, like who has those little flip shots and stuff, uh, a little over the shoulder and, and around the basket type stuff. He just looks better. He's got little push shots and things like that. The repertoire is just far more deep and advanced than aging Gasol's was. And with Abaka, I mean, you're kind of getting a lot of the same production and sort of play types, I suppose, out of Boucher. It's maybe a little bit inverted in terms of Boucher diving more often than he pops, uh, the, the way Gis- Abaka was far more likely to pop than to dive. But I think the returns are pretty much the same, basically. Like, you're getting a similar effect when Boucher screening versus when Ibaka screening, except Ibaka screens were significantly more illegal. I would, I would say. Uh. <laughs> I, I completely agree with that. Uh, and Boucher is not always going to shoot, you know, three of five from three. Um, and I think one element that's different this year from guys who are still on the team is the screens that Siakam and, and Ananobi have set have been awesome. Like both yeah. have had really nice short roll assists, just like, um, just like Gasol. But between the 15 screens they set, the team scored 20 points. Like yeah. using, you know, those wings, using guards, Lowry, Matt Thomas have both set awesome screens, one or two each. Using those varied attacks and not just relying on Boucher and Baines, Toronto got sort of just Gasol or Ibaka last year in the pick and roll. I think will only help the team and, and, and allowing their best players to be in the play, Siakam namely, will only have benefits. Absolutely. I want to get more into Siakam in particular, both as a screener and as a ball handler and sort of how he is tied in with Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet and the ball handler side of things in just a second. But first, I want to tell everybody about our friends over at betonline.ag. Right now is a wonderful time to get into the world of sports betting. You've got the NFL playoffs coming up. You've got the college bowl season for some reason taking place. You've got the NBA up and running and games to throw money down on every single night. And you want to throw that money down with betonline.ag and right now when you sign up at betonline.ag you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus with the promo code LOCKEDON L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N all one word that 50% welcome bonus means that if you put in 500 bucks, you're going to get an extra 250 bucks thrown right into your account to help you play. It is awesome. It's a great offer they have right now. And again, there's a million things you can throw money down on. The NHL is starting in like two weeks. You can throw money down on NHL futures and coach of the year and, and MVP picks and things like that. All sorts of great stuff to throw money down on at betonline.ag. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use that promo code locked on to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook expert. Experts, that is. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lewis, let's continue on here with the discussion of the pick and roll attack for the Raptors. First, though, a reminder that Locked On Bets is running strong right now, a brand new show on the Locked On Podcast Network covering gambling every single day with your boy Q and Lee Sterling. They are doing a wonderful job helping you win that Sweet, sweet scratch with their picks every single day in a very bite-sized, digestible format. So go listen to Locked On Bets. All right, Lewis, let's dive into the ball handler side of things here. Uh, as you might expect, it's been pretty heavily skewed. Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, I think 49 of the total 65 possessions that you uh, accounted for in your piece were initiated by Kyle or Fred. Uh, 12 of the 65 initiated by Pascal Siakam. We'll get to that in just a second, but... We haven't seen, you know, I, I thought we might see a bit of a sort of changing of the hierarchy a little bit in the Raptors half-court offense with Chris Finch coming in with the understanding that last year's half-court offense really let them down. I really thought they might just give Kyle the keys again and have Fred roam around off ball. You know, they weren't risking, you know, pissing off Fred or anything like that. He's signed on long-term, and I think a big part of giving him a lot of the control last year was to be like, hey, dude, like, you have a future here. You should stay here, and please, please don't leave us. Whereas now that he's signed, I, I kind of wish they would Pull optimize the things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> bye, Fred. No more pick-and-rolls for you. You're just off-ball now, friend. Um, but no, in all honesty, I thought as they sort of looked at what went wrong last year, and I mean the final play of the season is pretty indicative of the problems when Fred Van Vliet is sort of tasked with being one of two, you know, lion's share ball uh, ball handlers, is he's just not that awesome at running a pick and roll. And he can kind of over-dribble. He's not an amazing lob passer. He obviously struggles finishing at the rim. Things will get better. His pull-up shooting has been really bad so far. It's one of 11, I believe, was the n- the number that you From cited three, in the piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, that's that's not awesome. The mid-range has been a little bit better, which is great. I think three of six so far in the season. Uh, but the finishing is always going to be a problem. I guess my question is, Lewis, I mean, it's just he's going to be part of the, the two-headed monster running the pick and roll. Is there any hope in terms of Fred improving? Have you liked what you've seen so far from him or is it kind of what we kind of know Fred to be which is not the optimal pick and roll operator a wonderful off-ball player who maybe is a little bit overextended running half the possessions for the team down the floor no I think definitely there's there's hope for him as a pick and roll operator so last year he was second on the team in assist through 6.6 a game um I mean this year it's uh this year it's a little lower six but about the same I think the point is, though, you can't collect that number of assists without doing something well. And you're absolutely correct that he's not great at passing to a a diving big. But what he is elite at, and maybe the best on the team at, is finding shooters. I mean, he is so good at hitting shooters at the exact instant they're open, um, both orbiting shooters, popping bigs, um, a lot of his assists, because he has five assists in 25 pick and rolls, which is pretty good number. Um, a lot of them come with paint touches. He gets into the paint, hits a, a shooter, you know, in the pocket. And people make a lot of that one play where he drove and sort of forced up a layup rather than finding Matt Thomas in the corner. It was in transition. Um, 
that is something he does sometimes, but less so. I mean, more often when he does hit the paint, he's been awesome at hitting shooters. So uh, that is where most of the team's points have come from in his pick and roll. But I completely agree with you. I mean, if he's not going to make layups, if he's not going to get free throws, and if he's not going to pass to the roller or hit his pull-up threes, then he shouldn't probably run pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just be great at one thing. You have to be threatening in more ways. So I don't actually think it's a bad thing that he runs a bunch. Uh, he's run 12 a game. He could probably run half that, you know, five or six yeah. a game would be more optimal um, because good things happen and you need variety. But uh, as you alluded to a lot of those numbers, probably the Raptors would be better in the long term if they're shifted to Siakam because his stuff has been great. Yeah, I, uh, that's you, you're so good at this. You're a wonderful guest. You lead me right into the next thing. It's <laughs> simpatico we got here, man. So, yeah, you, you mentioned Pascal. He so far has run 12 pick-and-roll possessions as the ball handler, which, yeah, again, just under half of what Van Vliet, exactly half of Lowry has run. And they've scored 16 points on those 12 possessions. Pascal's got seven assists, seven – sorry, three assists, seven individual points on those 12 possessions. And I think it kind of checks out with the eye test over the last year and a half is when he runs – the the pick and roll things tend to happen that are good right he he's just even though his handle is a little bit scattershot at times he is so quick he covers so much ground he can get to the rim quite easily using the help of a screen we saw a couple plays that you clipped in your piece where the Baines Gortat screen is particularly helpful for Siakam and he just he offers a lot of different threats he's you know the mid-range seems to be a thing he's worked on a little bit he's got that in his bag now as a sort of thing he can pull out once in a while we know the pull-up threes were there last year and were there in the preseason, and I'm sure they'll come again at some point this year because he only hits above the break threes now, and that's great. Um, you know, in terms of how often you'd like to see it, you know, what, is it just a simple matter of, of like flipping him and Fred? It, you know, I, I think I can't get the description of Fred out of my head that friend of the podcast Jacob Mack uh, had on Twitter where he called Fred Van Vliet Clay Thompson with a Napoleon complex. Uh, <laughs> like, I, it's it's so perfect. And if you had Fred operate a little bit more off ball and hover around Siakam run pick and rolls, I feel like that could be pretty damn deadly, no? Yeah, I actually agree with that. And that's a little bit more of what they've done when all three of them were on the court. Um, The thing is, when uh, Siakam is on the court alone, he often doesn't have the offense run through him. Mm -hmm. When Van Vliet is on the court alone, he's the entire offense. So, you know, that's part of why Van Vliet's numbers are what they are. But I agree with you. The team would be best served to just flip their numbers. Um, The one difference, I would add, is Siakam, when runs the pick and roll, is really looking to create for himself. Um, he scored seven points in his 12 pick and roll possessions. Mm-hmm. You know, the only one of the three that's above half of the points they're scoring or uh, is, you know, his own, not creating for others. Um, and also not something included in the piece, but so 65 pick and rolls um, that ended a possession, 81 total. So 16 ended in a reset or, you know, tipped out of bounds, stayed in possession. Siakam ran uh, actually an outsized portion of those. Right. So when he is handling, um, it's more likely than for other handlers to just be reset, be defused, have to kick out to somebody else, tipped right. out of bounds, something like that. Um, and that is what you were speaking to is handle being loose at times. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, not a turnover, which is really positive, but certainly not an advantage created. Whereas Van Fleet often does create a, an advantage, just isn't always 
uh, capable or making the right decision to capitalize on it. But I mean, in fourth quarters in the playoffs, Siakam should be running it or Lowry with Van Vliet off ball. Absolutely. hundred percent. Uh, yeah. I, in the final segment, I want to get to the Lowry Siakam combo in particular, because uh, boy, it's good and also underused, but I do want to ask you, you know, we talked about the three main guys, Lowry at 24 run uh, Van Vliet at 25 Siakam at 12. The next highest on the team is Norman Powell, who has yeah. run two pick-and-roll possessions as the ball handler. Uh, they've scored zero points on those possessions, as you might expect, because uh, points aren't really happening with Norm Powell on the floor right now. That's okay. I'm sure he'll sort things out. Um, my question to you, Lewis, is Is there someone on the team who you would like to see be sort of a more clear fourth option in terms of running pick-and-rolls? It, it could be someone from the bench who has not played much or has played <laughs> a lot or whatever. Um, you know, I, I guess people know where I'm leaning with that one, but also there are lots of guys in the rotation who maybe could expand their repertoire a little bit. Um, you know, is there someone who's like an obvious glaring, okay, that guy should be running, you know, four or five pick and rolls a game and being part of this conversation among the main initiators on the team? Yeah. So, you know, the argument for Van Vliet to get so many now is it's the regular season. You develop guys here now because you know the Raptors are going to make the playoffs with a, with a good seed. Um, and so who else could develop? A uh, very good question and an important one. Um, I think that the Raptors have a number of guys who could benefit from those pick and rolls. Let's start, though, with Malachi Flynn. You alluded to him. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really big on the Malachi Flynn train in preseason. After drafting him, I wrote a couple, you know, big deep dives on him. Awesome player, will be fantastic. I have no problem with rookies having to earn their minutes. You know, a guy not getting minutes for his first 10 minutes of 10 games of his career, not a problem. Like, it's fine. It may not be best for Toronto in the in the short term, but it could be best for Malachi Flynn's development in the long term. So, you know, Nick Nurse knows what he's doing. A couple games of Malachi Flynn not getting minutes isn't make or break, even though I'm really high on him. Um, of course, though, great pick and roll operator could do very well in it. Uh, so other guys, I think OG Ananobi probably should be getting one or two a game at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, you know, initiating the offensive set, but you know, uh, second or third options after a reset, after the team is moving. Um, he did very well shooting, you know, pull-ups out of the pick and roll last year, especially in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a guy that Toronto needs to be running those at times and so wants him getting reps. Um, on top of that, I, I mean, people complain about Norman Powell, but if he's going to be the guy who puts pressure on the rim for the team as a vertical spacer as a three-point shooter then yes he needs to be getting more than you know two pick and roll attempts Mm -hmm. um although if he's going to play like he has then no he shouldn't be getting any minutes at all so balance (laughs) uh deandre bembry's a guy much like ronde hollis jefferson last year probably more threatening on ball than off particularly with shooters around him uh matt thomas has shown some really really good skills creating for others let alone the shooting so you know there's some guys og is the one i think it's kind of a crime that he's had none. Right. Um, he should be getting, you know, two or three a game at the very least. Um, yeah. And tons of guys who could use one or two. So, you know, a little discouraged that there haven't, there hasn't been that. Bambry has one. Terrence Davis has one. Uh, both came in non-meaningful minutes of games. So uh, should be a little bit more diversified because we know when it's the playoffs, Lowry, Van Vliet, Siakam, hammer them over and over. But for now, it's time to develop guys because uh, you know, you need them at in situations that you can't account for may as well get them used to it now. 
Yeah, like I'm sure once Flynn cracks rotation through injury or poor play or whatever, he will be pretty regularly near the top of the, like the top four in terms of the overall pick and rolls run because that's the yeah. thing he does. That's like his literal top quality coming out of school. And so I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be quite fun to watch. Um, you, know, you mentioned OG. I agree he should have more. I, I think the the thing we talked about after the first game of the season was you need to just like have him go through it a little bit and give him some bumps and growing pains. It's not going to be perfect all the time. He's going to dribble off his foot sometimes, but I'd rather him get the reps of running a pick and roll and failing than not getting them at all. And so I'd like to see that, but my pick, the one I want to see most is Matt Thomas. I think that dude with the spacing he offers with the, like the fear that teams clearly have, like they've read the scouting reports now and they know, Oh, this guy is horrifying. We have to guard this guy and run him off the line. I just feel like you can create a lot of space for your bigs just because of the threat of Thomas pulling up. And, you know, he, I think in the bubble last year in particular showed a lot of intriguing passing skill. I think his, uh, his, you know, his, bounce passes his pocket passes might be the second best on the team behind Kyle like he doesn't get to do it a lot but he really has that in his bag and so in those bench lineups when you maybe have Fred and some other guys and Kyle's on the bench or Siakam's on the bench and you have Thomas out there next to Fred like similar idea have Fred spot up off ball and see what Thomas can do with the ball in his hands a little bit he's got a handle and he's got that gravity that I think could really be interesting and so yeah uh, run Matt Thomas 15 pick and rolls a game I don't care it sounds fun to me Uh, (laughs) um, we uh, are going to continue on I want to dive into the Siakam Lowry pick and roll in particular in just one second but first got to tell everybody about our friends over at Built Bar the best tasting protein bar in the world. And they have 18 amazing flavors for you to try out more delicious than ever. They've reworked it. They've improved it. And uh, their flavors are awesome, including my all time favorites, orange and toffee almond. Get yourself a box of those each. They rule. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And they're great for the health conscious person. I have spent the last week eating like sponge toffee in Reese's peanut butter cups, and I feel like garbage. But now going forward, now that I've eaten all that stuff, basically, there's only a little bit left. I'm going to be going to the built Bars and, you know, scratching that itch for something sweet and uh, potentially unhealthy, except I'm doing it with something that's good for me in the form of a built Bar. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a very, very tasty treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for keto diets as well. Great if you want to go for a workout or something like that, too. Uh, go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKEDON to get 20% off of your next order. That is the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Lewis, let's dive into the Siakam Lowry pick and roll. First, just a reminder that on tomorrow's podcast, we'll be talking about the game against the Sixers tonight. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I'll probably see if Big V can join for a little game recap action. But let's get to Siakam Lowry, uh, Lewis, the combo that everybody's clamoring for and the, cl- and the combo that they just don't seem to want to run out all that much. The uh, part in your piece where you sort of dove into the two-man combos in pick and rolls, it made me sad because the 
Larry and Siakam or Siakam Larry pick and roll combined is used left left less often than any of the other uh, combos you talked about. Both just uh, three times each in uh, the inverse orientations. Six total Larry Siakam pick and rolls run. Uh, it's just it's not awesome. Uh, <laughs> I wait. Am I reading that? No, it's two each. Two each. Only, yeah, yeah, that's I'm dumb. It's four total. Uh, they've <laughs> scored six points in those four possessions because they're monsters. Um, like it's so obvious can you guys start like bullying nick nurse on the zoom calls maybe into doing it more often like it's just it's such a good play we saw them run it in crunch time it was a reason why the raptors crunch time offense last year was so effective and the question all last year was why don't they run the thing that works 100 percent of the time more than 15 percent of the time it's just a baffling sort of thing and i know you have to diversify your offense you can't depend too much on one thing and it's kind of similar in a lesser fashion, obviously, to, to like the Steph KD pick and roll with the Warriors that was so effective and was basically a cheat code and they just never used it. I, I guess just to keep things interesting, I don't know. Like, A, what do you think of the Siakam Larry pick and roll combo? How good do you think it can be? And why the hell won't they use it more often? Yeah. No, it's a good question. So I wrote a, you know, uh, a similar piece last year just about the Lowry Siakam pick and roll. I watch every time they used it in crunch time, almost for the entire season. They used it something like, I don't know, 50 times, 40 times. And they scored like 1.58 points per possession. It was insane. <laughs> it was just absurd how successful it was. Um, and similarly, it's been very successful this year. They've almost never run it. I predicted last year they'd use it a lot in the playoffs and they just didn't. So, you know, it's probably worth the question. And uh, especially after looking at it now, um, at one point, you know, Fred hit a really nice uh, catch and shoot three off of it. Surprise, surprise. Um, and another play, um, I, uh, Siakam hit a pull up three because they were sort of both uh, defenders went with Lowry when he slipped the screen. And that's mm. the type of thing you're going to get. You're going to get defenses making mistakes just because of how dangerous both players are and because people aren't used to point guard setting screens as well as Kyle. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, both setups have benefits. I don't see why they don't use it more often, at least in crunch time, you know, in the playoffs last year, it's been so successful. Uh, and to me is just clearly the best possible setup that Toronto can run, right? You mm -hmm. have Kyle off ball. Uh, you have, you know, Baines in the dunker spot. You have OG in the corner. Um, all, all of those guys are deadly in those spots. Um, if someone else creates for them, just, just run it, right? Like you don't need to do it 20 times a game. That's insane. But at least in crunch time, mm -hmm. uh, I don't really understand. And they, to be fair, they did use it in crunch time a couple extra times against the Spurs when it was, you know, winning time. Mm -hmm. A couple times it was defused. So that didn't go into the piece because I didn't include those in the numbers. Um, when they kept possession, but uh, she could have used it a little more at least. Yeah, and I think the upside of it is even higher this year than it was last year because, like, Pascal is very clearly a better passer. Like, he he's he refined himself over the course of last season. Obviously, the bubble was bad, but uh, the, so far this season, he has looked excellent as a playmaker, and I think on those short rolls where he can hit Baines in the dunker spot or hit OG cutting baseline, it's just a really, really deadly orientation where... Yeah. 
both Kyle and Siakam offer a you know decent to good screening, uh, an ability to you know pull up, ability to pop and, and and shoot threes. Like it's just they all they kind of do everything outside of Lowry being a lob threat. Like all of the boxes are checked from both sides, and I, I'm just I'm excited to hopefully see them pull it out more often. I hope maybe the early part of the season is just kind of getting everybody uh, their 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 looks and sort of trying out a bunch of different combinations and things and getting the chemistry between Lowry and Van Vliet and the bigs shored up because that's more of a of an uncertain question mark. But uh, yeah, more Lowry Siakam pick and roll. I, I might have to jump on the Zoom calls and start badgering Nick Nurse uh, and you know not put my reputation on the line because what reputation do I have to protect? Um, <laughs> I just. It, it's something I want to see more. It turns into pretty good stuff pretty much every time down the floor. This is not news to anybody. Um, lastly for you, Lewis, in terms of the combos, uh, I, I want to ask you, do you have like a favorite so far through two games, like a favorite ball handler, screener, pick and roll combination that you like to watch on this team? Obviously, lots of different options to go from. Lots of Van Vliet initiated stuff, Siakam initiated stuff, Lowry initiated stuff. Is, your, is there a particular favorite of yours that you would like to see more often or that you just really revel in the small bits that you get to see? That's a very fun question. Uh, I appreciate it. So here's something that uh, did not get to go into the piece. Uh, Toronto has had, I actually considered scrapping the entire piece and writing it about this instead. Um, But I'll do both. I'll still write about this at some point. Here's your teaser. Uh, Toronto has had a bunch of really fun initiations out of the horn set. Okay. uh, Which is with, you know, two guys on the elbows, somebody initiating, and they mix it up. They'll have Kyle often at the elbow, Siakam, Van Vliet, uh, Baines. Anyone can be at the elbow. Anyone can initiate. Um, they had one absolutely just beautiful set where Kyle ran the baseline, set a screen for someone running the opposite baseline, then popped out behind a screen, took that screen into a handoff from the guy on the elbow who had uh, sort of dribbled up to the three-point line, just wide open three, like the openest I've ever seen Kyle shoot. Um, but that horn set can also transition into some really nice pick and rolls. So mm-hmm. this is my favorite I've seen, I think. Um, it was an entrance to Van Vliet, um, and Siakam was on the other elbow. Some actions were run. They cut off uh, Siakam's screen across the other elbow, sort of a hot cut. Um, nothing really came of it, so the, the final option for the play was Siakam ambles over, sets a screen for Van Vliet. Um, the reason why I like this so much uh, is because Van Vliet is not a great pull-up shooter from distance. He's more average despite being such a good shooter. Mm-hmm. But I want him to be a better pull-up shooter from the mid-range. Just something needs to be efficient for him inside the arc. Uh, and if the screen is set, you know, six feet lower, then he just, the pull-up is from the free-throw line, where I think he can be an elite, elite shooter. Mm-hmm. Um, sure enough, low screen, he pulled up over it, uh, and it was just gorgeous money, right? Like, uh, small thing, just a mid-range pull-up over a free-throw line, uh, pick and roll, but really nice to see and nice as sort of a late option for a play because those horn sets have so much going for them. Um, and the the Van Vliet-Siakam pick and roll is the only pick and roll combination where Van Vliet handling has been efficient over one point per possession when Siakam is the screener. He can set really solid screens, good contact when it's required. Um, also a very good popper, short roller. I mean, there's just options and I really like it set below the three-point arc. Seems counterintuitive. I like the horns initiation. So, so much for me to love. That would be my favorite one. That's a, that's a really good answer. I didn't expect that one. I didn't expect Fred to be involved. But that is, uh, 
hard to argue with and that combo has always been good and i uh you know that kind of lends credence to my argument that they should be kind of staggering fred plus siakam as well as kyle and og at all opportunities they can um my answer to the most fun one for me so far i mean anything involving boucher kicks ass because that guy's a freak uh and larry boucher seems to be extremely fun early on and uh, i'm having a good time but the one I haven't really seen a lot of but would like to see more of is OG screening for Siakam because OG, as we've talked about a lot in this podcast, he is kind of equipped with a lot of center type skills. He's thick. He's a good screener. Uh, he can pass on the short roll. He can take it to the bucket. He can dunk like he can pop for a three. I kind of like that. It seems like very, very athletic and fun and difficult to corral if you're an opposing defender uh, forces you to make some decisions. Obviously, OG is not you know, it's not like a well-rounded where both guys kind of check all the boxes like Siakam Lowry, but um, I I like OG as a screener. He was really good in the playoffs doing that, and to have it involving Siakam, I think, is uh, a very cool and fun thing that we should see more of going forward. But as it turns out, you know, over the course of a game, there's only so many touches and so many different ways you can orient your offense, and it takes a long time to build a big sample. Looking forward to seeing this sample get much larger over the course of the season, and hopefully in, you know, 40 games, Lewis, you're watching 3,000 pick and rolls over and over (laughs) again. I'm very excited for your deep dive. Um, Thanks so much for joining the show today, man. We're done. Do you have anything that you would like to promote? Uh. Promote this piece, man. I mean, look, being yeah. able to nerd out about this thing is so much fun for me. Don't thank me. This is like just a child's fantasy for me to come out and talk about this piece for an hour. Uh, if you like us talking about it, go read it. You can find it at my Twitter. It's just my name, at Lewis Zatzman. And Sean, thank you so much, man. This is always fun. This one in particular, because this is just, you know, gets me all hot and bothered. Even thinking about talking about this stuff, actually doing it is <laughs> so much fun, really. Oh, you can t- you can sense the pick and roll horniness in your voice, and I love it. <laughs> it's beautiful, and uh, thank you so much for doing the grunt work that I simply was not going to do. Watching back all these pick and rolls and dissecting them and charting them like a freak, you're really you're really leaning into the Blake of it all, and uh, it's much appreciated. <laughs> and we love you for it, man. Uh, and uh, that's gonna do it. Go check out Lewis's piece. You can find my work at Raptors HQ as well as this very podcast. Please subscribe to your rate and review. I'm gonna have the recap up for the Sixers game late tonight so you can read that as Aaron Bain surely holds Joel Embiid to zero points uh, <laughs> in the great tradition of Raptors bigs punking Joel Embiid that should be a fun one to watch uh, and uh, yeah listen to uh, basketball we have a special Christmas episode up right now over there and we have a year in review episode coming up this week so go subscribe to the Patreon over there and all that good stuff and thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, that'll do it. We'll talk to you again tomorrow to recap the Sixers game. Now that we're done here, go and listen to Locked On Leafs to get ready for the NHL season coming up in just two weeks. And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday with another episode of Locked On Raptors. Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.